Welcome to the New Missions Podcast, helping you live life on mission right where you are and wherever you go. On this episode, we open the archives and share with you a special episode titled The Task of the Missionary with Pastor George Detellis, originally recorded at the Missions Training Center at New Missions in Haiti. Let's enjoy this episode. Today, I'd like to talk about the task of the missionary. Okay, the task of the missionary. What is the task of the missionary? Here I am in Haiti. Now, actually, in fact, we know there's only one mission. And so whether you're in the States, or whether you're here in Haiti, or wherever you may be, there's only one mission. So we would ask ourselves, what is the task of the mission? What are, we, what are we to do? What are we up to? What is our purpose? How do we do what God wants us to do? What is it that God wants us to do, first of all? Now, I'm going to answer that, and it's really almost a, a simple, single sentence. But I'm going to take you on the circuitous route to give you that one sentence. Can you imagine that? I'm going to say a number of things, really, to give you one sentence, which is my answer. (laughs) What is the task of the missionary? Now, in order to answer that, I'd like to ask a question. And the question is, is God provable? Can we prove that God exists? Now, I know if I asked for a raise of hands today and asked you, do you believe in God? Every one of you would raise your hands and meet and say, I believe in God. Does he exist? Most assuredly, he exists. And many of you would say, can you prove he exists? You say, yes, I, I know he exists. Well, I would like to give you some of what is called arguments. Now, this is not a heated discussion when you use the word argument, but it's rather, rather to uh, mention some positions, you know, um, stating uh, these are called arguments for the existence of God. Are you familiar with, with some of these? Arguments with, and I suppose you could probably say some of this you would find in an introductory course to theology at a seminary. If you went to a seminary, you might get some of this in an introduction to theology. The existence of God, is God provable? And so I'll give you some of them. The first one is, I should be talking as I write for the the tape's sake, cosmological, the cosmological argument for the existence of God. What is that? What is the cosmological argument? It's the argument from cause and effect. What it says is, This world is here. Everything we see is here. When I say the world, you know, it's the solar system, the planets, the stars, and everything we see about us. And this is an effect. And if there is an effect, there must be a first cause. In other words, if we see the world, we say, "Uh uh-huh, here there's a world. There must have been a world maker. Amen? The argument from cause and effect. I think of Thomas Aquinas, who was one of the great theologians in the Catholic Church, and he talked about the unmovable mover. 
almost like uh, having dominoes. We know everything in the world is in motion. Isn't that true? All of the planets, the stars, even this piece of wood, it seems solid, but yet we know that this is made up of molecules and according to the theory, the electron theory, that these molecules are made up of electrons and protons. And in fact, this piece of wood is full of space. As a matter of fact, there's more space than there is of substance. And the electrons and protons are going at the speed of light around each other, and so that this iron and this piece of wood are really in motion. Everything is in motion. But Thomas Aquinas says, that the unmovable mover is the one who put everything in motion, but yet he doesn't move. In other words, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's unmovable. And we know that God is the unmovable mover. But here we see everything. And we can say, if there's a world, there's a world maker. Almost if, if I could borrow your watch. Can I borrow your watch? Which is an, an excellent example, because now we have something, you know, and we can look at that and we say, did that happen by chance? By some, what they call, fortuitous arrangement? Did it just happen, just out of the air? And we say, no, that's, that's, that's a watch. And there must have been a watchmaker. Okay, so that's the argument from cause and effect. Now I'm going to give you another one. Teleological. Don't they learn? Teleological. The argument of teleological is the argument from design. And so that I can look at this watch, and if I open the watch, what would I find inside? I'd find some complicated things, wouldn't I? I'd find some springs and some uh, gears. And uh, the more I looked at it, the more complicated it would get. And it's the same thing with this world. At first, the world seems very simple. But then as you study it, you know that it gets very complicated. Here we have a little marsh area, you know, just to the right of us. And at first, it seems very, very simple. But if you had a biologist go in there and a botanist, what would he find in there? There's a whole world in there. Isn't that right? And if he went in with a microscope, it's amazing what is in there. There's a whole world to be discovered in that little marshland right there. You could spend the rest of your life just studying what's in that marshland. And we know that this world is, is, has a design in that it has the, just the right amount of oxygen for us. Now, the other planets in our solar system are what? They're all hostile. Isn't that right? Without a protective apparatus, you couldn't live there. You need oxygen and things to protect you from, from heat or cold or, or whatever. And so that you couldn't live on, on Mars or even on the moon without some, some protective apparatus. But here we have the right amount of oxygen. We even have the right amount of temperature, that we have a temperate climate here in, in this world. And so as we study the world, the more we study it, the more we realize that there was a designer, that this watch did not happen by chance, but rather someone with a mind, with a brain, with intelligence, designed it. And so that there was a designer. 
This is the second argument for the existence of God. The third one is the ontological. This is, a, this is a good one. This is a fun one. This is one that a lot of theologians have had a lot of fun with over the years. The ontological, and it's called the argument from being. And you had uh, great men like Anselm. And uh, Anselm lived a uh, thousand years ago. But yet anyone who goes to seminary studies Anselm. So you, you, you don't get to a seminary without studying Anselm. And this ontological argument for the existence of God, and even great theologians like Karl Barth have written books on the Anselm and his ontological proof for the existence of God. This is the argument from being. In other words, what he's saying is that within us, now you're not looking out, you're not looking at cause and effect, you're not looking at design, but you're looking within us. And within us, there is a God consciousness that is universal, that all of us have, every one of us have and the idea of God implanted within us. And the question is, where did that idea come from? And Anselm uses the verse of scripture from Psalm 14, verse 1, also found in Psalm 53, 1, which says, the fool had said in his heart, there is no God. Amen? Now what is happening? The fool says in his heart, he says with his mouth, there is no God. So he confesses the idea of God. He says God. In other words, he's got the idea of God in his head. Isn't that true? He has the idea of God, and he says he's not there. Whereas the ontological argument says, if you have the idea of God in your head, if he's here in your head, then he's also out there in reality. Okay? So the fool says in his heart, there is no God. In other words, he confesses, he denies what he has already confessed. So the Bible says he's a fool. Now, we also have some other arguments for the existence of God, such as the anthropological, and also the argument from Scripture. And I'm not even going to mention those. But I would like to ask you today, do these, the cosmological, the teleological, and the ontological, do they prove the existence of God? Do they? And I would say, no. That God is not provable. You cannot prove the existence of God. Then what is our faith based upon? And I think of my, one of my favorite theologians, Karl Barth, and Karl Barth said, the Christian faith is based upon the wind. That's the whole basis of Christianity. It's built upon the wind. And for that, I like to read what that wind is. And this is the verse of scripture over in 2 Peter, the first chapter, in verse 21. And Peter says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And there the word, you know, for the Holy Spirit is the pneuma. And pneuma is the wind of the Spirit. Our Christian faith is built upon 
the wind of the Spirit. Amen? That's the whole basis of Christianity. That God has revealed himself and he has spoken unto holy men and has shown himself to us. And it's the basis of Christianity. But then I would ask you, um, is there no evidence? What are we to do? And I thought, have I come here to Haiti to prove to the Haitians that God exists? Is that my task? Every time I find a Haitian to get into a discussion with him and I'm going to prove to him that God exists? No. As Christians, we don't discuss, we don't uh, dispute, as it were, the gospel. We don't dispute the faith and we don't try to prove to someone that God's existence. We're not called to do that. Because there's only one person that can prove anything to you. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Christian faith, I like to think of, of the blind man. You remember he was blind from, from his birth. And he cried out to Jesus for healing. Jesus put a, you know, a clay on a spittle on his eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went and washed the Bible says he came back seeing. And that's really what we are. We were once blind, but now we see. And you remember that they began questioning, the, the Pharisees began questioning his parents and, they, and threatening to put them out of the synagogue. And they said, why do you question us? He's of age. Ask him. And they went to him and says, who was it that healed you on the Sabbath day? And he says, I don't know. I was blind. I never saw him. He said, go and wash. I went in my blindness to the pool, and I washed. I came back. See, I, I never saw the man. I don't know who he is. I don't know who he was. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. Amen? Amen. That's the Christian faith. Once I was blind, but now I see. What is the task of the missionary? The task of the missionary is to be filled with the Spirit, to have received, you know, a personal message from the Lord. And he goes and he stands before, whether it's an individual or a congregation, and he proclaims the Word. In other words, he preaches the Gospel. He mentions the name of Jesus. And it is the Holy Spirit who convinces men of the truth of the gospel message and brings them to faith. You and I do not have to prove anything yet. Matter of fact, we cannot prove. And now, this is a real shocker. This is, you know, the scriptures I'm holding in my hand. Can you prove that this is the Bible? Can you prove it? No, you cannot. We're not even called to prove to anyone that the, the scriptures is the word of God. We simply preach the word. When I came to faith, I didn't know the scriptures. I hadn't even read them. But yet when the Spirit of the Lord came to dwell within me, I believed that the scriptures were the word of God, and I loved it and read it and studied it. Amen? And so the task of the missionary is to lift up Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that the truth? Amen. You don't have to prove anything. You can't prove anything. Amen. We have come to this land... Not to dis discuss or uh, dispute, you know, the gospel.
but rather to preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Ghost, and it is the Holy Spirit who convicts and convinces men of Jesus Christ. This is the task of the missionary. God bless you. Now, if I can relax a little bit. <laughs> but what did you think about all that? Huh? Did that shake you a little bit when I said that there was no proof for Christianity? Did, did that bother you? Huh? Did that bother you? That there is no proof. You cannot prove Christianity. It's unprovable. God is unprovable. You cannot prove that God exists. Now, what, what happens is, oh, there was, there was one other good thing. We've got to put this in, Timothy. Because this, this is really the crux of my message. Amen. In that, this here, um, when a per, how do we know? And we do know. Isn't that true? We do know. But we, can't, we know when we believe. And the little phrase is this here. To know is to believe. No, I'm sorry. To believe. I'm ahead of myself. To believe is to know. Right? When you believe, you know. And that's the story of the blind man. When you believe, you know. If you don't believe, you're in darkness and you don't know. It's a leap of faith. When you believe, all of a sudden, the revelation truth comes to you. No, I'm sure the day you came to faith, no one ever tried to prove anything to you. You simply believed. And when you believed, someone could say, how do you know? You said, I know. I know that I know. Isn't that true? Because truth had come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. To know is to believe. If you don't believe, you don't know. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the New Missions Podcast, helping you live life on mission right where you are and wherever you go. Together, we can help bring God's word into the homes of families across the island of Hispaniola. Join us in purchasing Bibles for students. Visit newmissions.org forward slash Bibles. That's newmissions.org forward slash Bibles. Remember, you are a missionary right where you are and wherever you go. Let's continue to live our life on mission. <laughs>